Welcome to This Just In, the show bringing you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And now, for the fastest voice in healthcare, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and leadership. As always, we're broadcasting from this Just In Studios on the Business Radio X Network, as well as the Healthcare Now Radio Network. For this episode, my 284th episode, we have a great show with Dr. David Craig, CEO of Spruce Health. Welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. You got it. Uh, great to meet you for the first time. Glad you could uh, fit this into your busy schedule. So first of all, where are you calling in from today? I am coming to you from San Francisco. Oh, cool. Which uh, So I actually live there... Well, I guess in 1998, I lived in Palo Alto uh, and then moved um, in 99 to 201 East, uh, 201 Harrison Street, kind of right off the bottom of the Bay Bridge area. Oh, neat. Yeah. I, I used to live not super far away from that. The original Spruce offices were in um, Soma, the South Market sure. neighborhood. And I lived for five years in, in that area for people that know um, between 6th and 7th Street on Mission. So I got a real city view there. And then for the last five or so years, I've been living down in the Ingleside neighborhood uh, for people know the BART station. I'm by Balboa Park. So that's a lot of a lot of local color. If you don't know San Francisco, that was a boring 10 seconds. But if you do, well, yeah. hello. <laughs> well, I love it because I actually watched uh, Soma kind of be built. I mean, it was just back oh, in. Yeah, that was the very early days. So it was very cool. So yeah, absolutely. So where'd you grow up? College, all that good stuff. Yeah, I grew up in Maryland, um, and I still love the Mid-Atlantic. Parents still live there. I visit regularly. Uh, and then I moved uh, out west to uh, Stanford for college and stuck around through med school and residency. I kind of knew for career purposes and, and other reasons I wanted to be in the Bay Area pretty long term. So I've been kind of a uh, split in my life so far. Very cool. Yeah, Stanford, living, you know, lived in Palo Alto. Was it? What was my? Um, I used to know my address uh, for 832 Forest Avenue, 834 Forest Avenue. Nice. Yeah, we lived there in 19. We were starting our, my first company out there. Re actually, Relay Health, which is um, McKesson at buying it. But um, I had spent a lot of time. Yeah, Palo Alto, so much fun. Certainly during the dot com boom, it was you know massive energy. And and what years were you in Stanford? Uh, let's see. I would have been out around 2002 uh, through. 2014 with okay. a year off in there somewhere where I moved back to the East coast. Yep. Excellent. Uh, so I mean, yes. only by a couple of years. All right. Well, you know, never a bad time to be around that area. Absolutely. So, um, give us a, a you know, overview. Actually, we did not, we did not plan this at all, but, um, I've actually been a Spruce customer for, I think over five years now with my direct primary care doctor. I love the platform, then just kind of came uh, across your company from a strategic alliance perspective. And so got to know more about what you guys do. Uh, but just, you know, obviously love the platform, use it very well, use it, uh, you know, a couple of times a year with my doctor, if not more, I'm um, great communication platform, but give us an overview of Spruce uh, and what you guys do in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you nailed it already. We're healthcare communications, you know, that's, that's our mission and that's our feature set. It's wildly neglected in healthcare, the concept of communications. You know, I say this both with my sort of company hat on and with my doctor hat on, yes. like 
there is no such thing as good medical care without good longitudinal communication. And that's not just communication in an office visit or that kind of thing. That's also all the stuff you're doing outside of the office visit. And it's not just between you and your doctor or other providers. It's also their entire staff, the insurance company, whoever else you need to speak with or message, email, video chat, whatever it is. Like there's tons of ways to communicate in the modern world, tons of different preferences that people have, tons of different things that are necessary given the conditions. You know, maybe you need video, maybe you don't, maybe you need an asynchronous thing like messaging because you're in different time zones, maybe you need it live. You know, there's so many different factors, so many different times and modalities that can be important. It is wildly neglected given how important it is. And really no one has been focused on that pure intersection of the requirements of healthcare and the requirements of good communication. Mm -hmm. It has not traditionally been an area that's incentivized in reimbursement or policy or other things like that. And it has fallen a bit by the wayside to the degree that modern, you know, EHRs and practice management solutions embrace some type of communication. It's usually in service of some other goal, like trying to get, you know, uh, your revenue cycle management people to pay their bills or something like they'll have a rudimentary text messaging implementation to do bill collection or a clunky patient portal because that's necessary to check the boxes for what used to be meaningful use and is now MIPS or whatever, sort of your yeah. Medicare payment adjustments and that kind of thing. But, you know, for anyone who's used those and some of them are good, but a lot of them are pretty, uh, I'll say the word again, rudimentary, like they just are not the beautiful, flexible messaging solution that we're used to in other sort of domains of life and technology. So Spruce is really intended to go as wide and deep as we can across medical communication. I always joke that if two people are talking on tin cans and string, I want a Spruce logo on the cans. Like we want to embrace every bit of a way that you could do something related to communication in your care and do it absolute best in breed. And the other facet, the sort of secret sauce, mm -hmm. is we want to add features on the provider side that are uh, elevating the experience of those channels. So allowing a unified team inbox, single pane of glass, all the buzzwords that you want there, things that other sort of office productivity software bring to other domains that have been missing in medicine, we want to do those things. So adding automation, you know, uh, automated workflows, saved messages, scheduling messages, having things run on schedules, you know, so your phone tree can be different at different mm -hmm. times of day, like all the stuff that lets you be a productive, collaborative, coordinated team, invisible to the patient. So for them, it's just a seamless experience. For you, you're letting everyone work seamlessly top a license and very efficiently. So stitching those things together, multimodal, single pane of glass, et cetera, we're very mission-driven around elevating efficient medical communication that's delightful for patients and really gets better care done. Absolutely. No, and I've, like I said, I've, I've been a customer. I've seen it, witnessed it. Um, love using the platform. It. Uh, I never had an issue with it. So, uh, so tell me about I guess when you get in your secret sauce and where do you guys see, cause you covered kind of what you're doing today and a little bit about the future, but I guess give us maybe a preview of what you see as a secret sauce, maybe down the road a little bit, like not really, you know, maybe your product roadmap that you're able to share openly, but what, what do you, what do you guys think that you're going to, how are you going to involve the platform in the coming months and years? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there's, there's net new stuff that maybe we don't have at all now. And then there's another plank of things that we have now that we want to expand on. So I'd say the latter category, you know, we have some modalities that we support very well today, like text messaging and others that we do a good job on like phone. I'd say that there's areas to expand in those too. So there are ways in our phone system that we've already grown. We added a lot more uh, VoIP and desk phone support in the past year. We have way more plans on that in the future. 
really just making it so that no matter what your intended use case is for medical communication, there's no world in which Spruce is worse or more expensive than whatever you're doing now. So that way we can be a very easy, you know, land and expand approach. Even if you think you don't need secure messaging or texting or whatever, that's all right. Just adopt us for phone and we'll take it from there. Exactly. You know, so there's, there's that, that, that's that plank. And, you know, the, the totally net new stuff I think is, uh, is a different topic. There's many, many ways I could go with that, but I don't want to lose focus of what people already use and love. And, you know, if you've got a working thing, expand on it become an absolute domain master. And we really intend to stay focused on where we think we have our work cut out for us, which is medical communication. Absolutely. It's fantastic. And yeah, I've noticed that was certainly with a chronic care push has been a big significant push for me in the past several years, but chronic care management and, and some of the taglines out there is healthcare is communication. And so you guys really, I know <laughs> you guys foster and facilitate it, but healthcare, when you, we have a lot of treatments, we have a lot of great um, care, but we don't actually communicate it very well. We actually don't take care. Our patient care has been lagging because of a lot of different reasons. So what you guys do, you guys facilitate this communication. Um, so therefore, I believe you make care providers better. You make patients healthier because of this collaborative platform that you guys have. So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's what we're selling. I, I buy the message. I, I really do think that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I think a good evidence of that is like, as you said, you very accidentally have used Spruce for a number of years because you're with a direct primary care doctor, right? right? I didn't just hallucinate that. Yeah. Yes, uh, direct primary care, you know, for the, the audience that doesn't know, it's it's a very specific type of, you know, primary care that uses direct monthly contracting and a reasonable fee for kind of all you can eat communication with your longitudinal relationship with a mm -hmm. primary care doctor. It, in a business sense, is a perfect microcosm of value-based care because the provider has given you a capitated fee, basically, you know, and you're just paying that. So it's, it, they're incentivized to give you a wonderful medical experience, but also not to do useless office visits or okay. communication they don't need to do. The fact that the DPC community has embraced Spruce the way they have over the years, which we're very grateful for, and we find it a very important community. The fact that they have picked us up and embraced us for that type of medicine, I think is a wonderful testament to the fact that we are an amazing platform for truly good medicine and longitudinal uh, care. So to me, it's just because they're individual, they're usually very small practices. The key decision maker is usually the doctor who is the founder and entrepreneur. So they move at lightning speed and they make business decisions in a very, you know, coordinated way. So if they adopt a platform and pay for it, they're not wasting money on stuff. Exactly. You know, it's just a good proof. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and, and because of my direct primary care doctor, I'm in the best health of my life. Um, <laughs> Good. Have, had the best care, best care strategy, best overall health. So yeah, I absolutely subscribe to that as well. Um, so a majority of my audience and listeners are C-suite executives and, and mostly in healthcare. So what are a few CEO best practices that you would share with them from your perspective? No, you know, it, kind of carte blanche there, open question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I certainly don't claim to be an absolute expert on this stuff. I can tell you a few things that have serve me well uh, so far and that things that when I haven't followed, I've learned, you know, expensive mm -hmm. or painful lessons from, yeah. uh, I would say, you know, and, and this is, this is one that, uh, that someone gave me pretty early on in, in my Spruce career, which is you really don't know other people's internal mind or their narrative or their situation. And it's free to assume the best in people. Um, I often find that is, that's extremely true. It's very easy 
when you have a lot of potential problems or burdens coming your way to react cynically to something that seems like it might be motivated from a, uh, a bad place and someone, you know, being greedy or lazy or something like that. Uh, it's often not useful to actually adopt that. You really don't know what's going on with them coming at it from a much more neutral standpoint and just describing facts and speaking in terms of observable facts of the situation. There are a number of times where sticking to that instead of embracing an emotional response or assuming a certain internal state has let me prevent stepping in it real bad when it turns out there was a perfectly acceptable answer for what had occurred. So I'd say that, and that dovetails with uh, something that a, a very uh, trusted uh, uncle who was also a doctor used to say to me and my cousin years ago, which was, uh, if, if it feels good, you shouldn't be saying it. Uh, I feel like that often applies in the heat of the moment for, uh, for mm. CEO type stuff, good. like the, the temptation to just lay down the hammer on this or that in various settings is like there sometimes uh at any time that i have even embraced that one smidgen i have regretted it yep. <laughs> and i guess the other one that dovetails with that uh is just a personal philosophy that i do not do as good of a job of following as i should but when i have it has worked well which is that uh things in life are not about you even when they're about you they're really not about you and i really the longer i've been around the more true i think that is in the sense that usually things are happening people's view of their own life is that they're the main character which is fine and you know usually things that end up impacting you even if they're nominally because of you or about you or whatever are usually a reaction to something a preconceived idea that someone else has or a narrative they have or something like that and it can be really hard not to take things very personally um but I often find the truth of it, which comes out eventually, is it really is more about what someone else has going on than what you do. Uh, and one one other thought that I'll hit you with, if we can do one more yeah, here. We got, we got time for one more quick one. We do. we do. The other one for team stuff is I find that it helps me to constantly try to keep the lens on seeing the best in the team mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you have. Um, I feel like there was, and I've tried to source this quote, but I can never completely find it. There was some sort of quote from a, a sports manager that basically said like, you should see what your players can do, not what they can't do. Uh, and, and I think that's absolutely important for all of us. Like the truth is basically everyone's got skills and talents and motivations and passions and things they're going to excel at. And I do think it's, it's your job if you're trying to lead a team to see what the good qualities are and move your chess pieces like they're supposed to move, you know, the knight is going to move in their weird L shape. And if you just get pissed off all the time that they're not <laughs> moving like a bishop, well, you're just a bad chess player. It's not the fault of the pieces, you know? Oh my gosh. Uh, That's very good wisdom there. Not only in business, because everything you're talking about is also great in marriages and relationships, but also <laughs> in business in general. I mean, my gosh, this is uh that's some good wisdom there. I mean, certainly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I, I couldn't help but think about, um, yeah, just that in relationships and every aspect of, yeah, business and personal. So I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and for those that may have tuned in a little late today, my special guest is Dr. David Craig, CEO of Spruce Health. So I kind of following this path, and you probably covered a little bit of it, but over the past five years or so, what's a failure that you've learned the most from or what's been your biggest learning opportunity? Yeah, I, I love that, uh, that question. Um, let's see. I've got two things that come to mind. 
And, you know, I, I always strive, especially with the spruce lens, when we have an initiative that doesn't work or doesn't work the way we think it's going to, you can either look at it as a pure failure or you can look at it as like an expensively earned set of data, you know, and we usually try to do, try to do the latter. I would say the whole genesis of what we're doing at Spruce now uh, comes out of a bit of a pivot, which is when we launched the company, you know, founded in 2013 and first publicly available product in 2014. Uh, so we've been around a minute now. We were not doing a publicly available communications platform. We were doing our own direct-to-patient medicine. We had the Spruce uh, Dermatology Clinic. I was the medical director coordinating all of our you know, U.S.-based board-certified dermatologists, and patients would download the app and submit a visit on acne or rash or a bunch of other complaints and that kind of thing. Um, and it was great medicine. We were getting wonderful reviews and whatnot. And we got to that clinic to the point in a couple of years where sort of the medical service side was paying for itself, but it wasn't really for a variety of reasons returning, uh, you know, the type of returns that, that we needed to be a viable company long-term. And at that point we pivoted and we realized that what we built of true value was the underlying platform for coordinating all the care that we were doing and, you know, doing all the communication necessary to run this asynchronous telemedicine operation across dozens of states. And we took that thing that we built for ourselves and platformized it. And that's what we began selling as the spruce that, that people know today. I would say that what we learned from that sort of quasi failure of the initial concept was what was truly important. We, we succeeded in many ways, right? We succeeded in creating care that patients loved. And frankly, our doctors loved it too. That's, that's where we knew we had something good. Patients were saying, this was a wonderful experience. I wish I could see my regular doctor this way. Mm -hmm. And the doctors were saying, Hey, this is pretty cool. I wish I could see some of my regular patient panel in a spruce like way as well. You know? So I think you can look at an event like that as frustrating or a failure, or you can look at it and try to humble yourself and say like, okay, I missed the target but we hit a different target that was nearby and maybe even more awesome to have aimed at in the first place, you know? So that, that was a bit of a, and I wrote a, a big blog article um, about reasons we think uh, we're behind the, the mismatch in the market at the time and that kind of thing. So you can, you can probably find that on the Spruce blog archives if you're interested for my ruminations there, but I won't, I won't drag us off topic for like 15 minutes discussing that because the, the high level concept is I think yeah. what you were after there. That's the other awesome. one I'd say is a couple of years ago, we, um, we had a very necessary upgrade and change to the platform where we had to change a lot of stuff at once. Uh, and it was, I knew it was going to be extremely rough because of how important Spruce is in the tool chain of practices that use it. It's a professional tool. Um, and I know from my professional life that when the tools you depend on every day change, your first reaction is not that you're thrilled that your buttons are in a new place or the color palette changed. You're not going to take 10 minutes out of your morning and admire the new logo. Like this is not the mindset of professionals trying to get stuff done. You know, if you move someone's button, they use a thousand times a day, you move it by 10 pixels, you're going to get a death threat email, mm -hmm. you know, like, right. uh, so I, I had an inkling this was going to be rough. It was very rough as a transition. And I would say, it's a little like dire to cast it as a failure, but I do think you, I can, I can confidently report to the audience that if you are providing a professional tool to people, it behooves you to change it 
in key sort of UI UX ways as little as you can over time and only in ways that make intuitive sense and are preferably gradual in nature. Uh, because if you shock people with advances that you think are cool, uh, you're not going to hear that back. <laughs> you're, exactly. you're not going to have that um, uh, sort of lauded. You, you're going to hear a lot of hate for it. And I totally understand where people are coming from that. I used to hate in you know the ER when uh, Epic would change its interface or that kind of thing. No one there was like, oh, we got a great new feature. <laughs> it was just 10 pissed off doctors in a room yelling back and forth about how do you print now? You know, yep. so. Yep. That's two quick, quick ones for you. Yeah, sure. So let's put on the crystal ball. Got a couple minutes left. Um, actually, let's do, let's do this one. What are some of the th trends that you're seeing in the industry? And maybe like one minute light, lightning round kind of questions here, but you know, so for answers. So what do you think are some of the healthcare digital health trends that we're seeing in the industry that you kind of like? Uh, that I kind of like. Interesting. I would say there's a trend in society in general for expanded, you know, communication modalities, mm -hmm. patients desiring responsiveness and sort of access at different times a day, or even if they don't get immediate access, knowing that if they send a message or leave a voicemail, it's going to be followed up on in a coordinated fashion. And I think some of that is because the consumer experience has elevated in other domains. People Absolutely. are used to being able to follow up with, I don't know, Amazon or something with web chat to resolve an issue or that kind of thing. Uh, and so they're going to naturally expect that in other places like their healthcare too. I would say that also fits in sort of nicely with an ongoing trend, basically since HIPAA uh, came about, you know, but, but even more now with new policies to prevent information blocking, promote record access, promote interoperability between things. I mean, those are all sort of glacially moving trends that have been in process for a while, but you're seeing more and more of it actually come to fruition. And I don't expect any of that stuff to stop. Uh, let me pause there. Am I on the right track for what you're looking Absolutely. for? Absolutely. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, and I actually, and I think you're spot on. So taking that to the next level, you know, and let's think down the road a little bit. So thinking beyond today, what do you see as a key strategy or trend that we must be ready to navigate three years from now? Kind of like what I say is respect to Wayne Gretzky, you know, where will the buck be? <laughs> You know, not yeah. Right now. Yeah, that, that's a great one. Um, and he is a great one. I didn't say there that. There you go. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think I think uh, as I'm mulling that, I think the key with healthcare, it's such a regulated space, especially when you're talking about uh, communication, because communication is also a regulated space. And you put them together and you just get this ball of like potential red tape and things that make it hard to change stuff. So I think medicine's challenge especially when it comes to communication in medicine is not so much being the first to where the puck's going to be, but not being so disastrously late that you're harming people and killing them by the time you get there. And mm -hmm. in that sense, where I'm, I'm, I promise I'm going somewhere with this, yeah, which, it's good. which is that the main challenge medicine and healthcare communication is going to face two or three years from now is again, not being so late to the party. Like we have these legacy systems that aren't going anywhere. If you think phones and fax and other stuff and, you know, emails or whatever are going somewhere in medicine, like they're not, there's so much inertia <laughs> and so many zillions of dollars and systems built around these things. They're not going anywhere. The challenge is how can you gracefully adapt these legacy systems to be able to have highly efficient teams and coordinated functioning and everything else two or three years from now. The other thing about medicine is a significant, very important chunk of your patient population is older. They have more medical problems, you know, yes. and if you want to reach them where they are, they may not want to hear about an app. 
They want to hear that they can pick up their phone and call their doctor. So the key where the puck is going to be is how can we tr not try to change the patient mindset and behavior? Because they are what they are and you got to meet them where they are. Not change that, but change the way the provider side of things functions so that it's efficient and you know wonderful and transformative there. So that means that if you're going to have a phone system, how can you start building a phone system that is not just you know, one desk phone with a literal answering machine connected to it and mm -hmm. no one knows where the voicemails are and none of it's cloud accessible. And if there's a disaster in the office is shut, you can't move the phone numbers to different devices quickly. Like all of these problems are things that people should be considering because we can't, you can't change the entire like rink that you're playing in. Like that's going to be what it is you've got to change what you can control in a way that adapts legacy systems that aren't going to change, not quickly at least, adapts yep. those legacy systems to modern modern things, team inboxes and that kind of stuff. That's at least how I view what our job is, is being this sort of transformational glue that's going to unite the old with the new. And, and that's what we're aiming at. How's that? Is that kind of on target enough? It's on target and perfect. I mean, it reminds me when you talk about the faxes, I'm just exiting an account or just selling a company now that uh, isn't big in the lab space. And I want to say 60 plus percent of lab orders are still faxed. I mean, can you yeah. fathom that? And the number actually probably is higher <laughs> than that. I'm trying to be gentle with the industry, but it's archaic. I mean, it really yeah. is archaic. Yeah. 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 And, and you can either rage against that and you can yeah. start a company that says we're going to transform lab orders by making a digital, you know, purely <laughs> electronic. Right. But, yeah. and, and I hope you succeed in whatnot, but we the did. problem is you're really, you're going and fighting the tide on some of that yes. stuff. Like it's a much more subtle jujitsu move to take the inertia of this giant industry. And instead of trying to meet it like uh, an offensive lineman head on, meet it like a, a jujitsu throw where you yep. just kind of accept the energy and redirect it a few percent to change the eventual outcome of a huge amount of mass, right? That's like the mindset I think that we need to make gentle corrections that put us in a much better spot uh, as we go forward. I could not agree more. Great wisdom, my friend. We are <laughs> at time, but I'm going to have you back on the show. You've got, uh, so again, great information, great wisdom. We'll have you back as a guest. I truly appreciate your time, David, and joining us. It, I, I love being here, Justin. Thanks so much. And I hope the uh, your audience gets something out of it. Absolutely, they will. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, enjoy, please, as you know, join us weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HOT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustinRadio so we can respond to your comments from the show. Uh, if you miss any of this episode or want to hear more, all my shows are posted at Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and tune in. And also, we're pumping some new content out on JustinBarnes.com. So thanks, everyone, and stay safe. And certainly, uh, thanks again, David, for joining us today. Hey.